so happy to have you on the podcast, Raul. I feel like I just love like everything that you're about with like nature and like yoga and also just like creating food that's really like healing for the body. I feel like that's something that like now I live in America and it's just like it breaks my heart how much processed things things are. But it's also like we take it for granted, too, of like, oh, yeah, like we just go to the store and we buy everything. But then when you go back to like the practice of making everything from scratch, like I feel like one, not only is it way better that I'm kind of like, damn, like all of these store brands low key suck. But two, it's just like, I don't know, there's like a that whole experience that when you then have the meal it like adds a whole nother level of just like gratitude that you have for the food that you make versus like if you just purchase something you don't really know all the people that were like involved in that process of like making things for you to consume but I'm curious like where where did this whole journey of just like really becoming sort of conscious in the way that you're living and really having purpose and like the things that you do was that something that you always were like I'm about this life from out the womb or it's something that you slowly discovered because I know Indian culture has a lot of that in just like our heritage but yeah I'm curious like how did you sort of yeah like get on this path of conscious living a beautiful question thank you for asking um i would say that no i didn't have all this awareness that i do straight out the womb <laughs> it's definitely something that um i've kind of like so growing up i feel like i experienced a very contrasting you know life (laughs) because for me it was exactly as you said like everything was super processed um even though yes my you know with Indian in our heritage like there's definitely a lot more um awareness of a lot of things you know related to food and and lifestyle but still like growing up here in St. Martin I was exposed to a lot of the things that we're all exposed to in America, for example, you know, processed foods. That was a big thing. You know, I was into all the junk foods, (laughs) Um, uh, lifestyle choices. I mean, everything, you know, was just so different back then than it is now for me. So I would say that it was a very slow um, unfolding for me where um, I became aware of one thing and then the other. And then from there on, it just I was full-blown into, like, everything has to be organic or everything has to be homemade and natural and non-toxic. And um, and I have to know where the source is, you know, what the source is and where everything is coming from. So, yeah, um, it's definitely been a natural unfolding. And I would say, I would say the biggest, like, chunk of my life where that awakening and, like, learning about different truths about where our where everything comes from and I know it's sounding very vague but you know we'll get into the details but um I would say it would be when I was in my early 20s or even a little bit before that yeah so late teens I would say that's when I started becoming very I was in high school you know I started becoming I started following all these channels you know on health and food and you know there was so much information that was being kind of exposed uh that 
yeah, I guess since that, since then, up until now, it's just been, yeah, a beautiful, like, unfolding. I think that's such a beautiful way to describe it because it really is a process of unfolding, of peeling all of these layers of like veils or even like delusions that we just develop just through like being in our society of like, oh, like, okay, this is what humans do. Cool, cool. Or like, this is how I shouldn't behave. Cool, cool. Or I got to be guarded here. Cool, cool. And then you realize like, wait, wait, who who am I again? Um, Wait, we don't actually, mm, I don't know about that. Oh, actually, boo, you're, maybe we don't feel this way after all. And it's just like, when you get to that state of just like being curious enough to see like, oh, Lord, like what what have I done? We have gone completely off the track that we were meant to. And then you slowly peel back all of those layers. And I do think, yeah, it is sort of like a it's an organic process of like you discover one thing, then it leads you to the other and to the other. And then before you know it, you're like full blown down this path of like, holy crap, like what was I even doing before? Like, who was that person? Um, but even just having love for that journey of unfolding, because I think like a lot of time people think like we should have all the answers. But I think, you know, this world is about discovering like who you are and learning and like really going through that process of becoming more present, more aware um, and just opening yourself up to the truth of things that you don't really see, I think, as much as when you're a kid. But I definitely believe that having that sort of that heritage within Indian culture that is deeply in tune with like how are we supposed to live really and truly about like the sort of ethics and morals around being a kind person, having compassion, um, really being in the present, leveraging the power of breath, like all of these things I felt like for me as a kid I like I loved Indian culture but I'm not gonna lie I was a bit ashamed too on the island because it's like very different you know because it's like a work it's a Christian based community and anything that's not you know a very conventional view of God is often looked at as like just bad you know and like obviously kids say very mean things too so that that, that doesn't help but I'm curious, like, yeah, how has it been for you sort of, like, going in back to, like, I guess, like, our, our roots of, like, what our culture has to say about being consciously in tune with our environment and the way that we act to each other um, and how that sort of, yeah, impacted your unfolding? Yeah. Um, another good question that I really would have to think a little bit more on, but I think the first thing that comes to my head is just my parents they turned to uh spirituality you know and we can go on about what spirituality is you know it's such a vague (laughs) word i feel um but because it means different things to different people and there's just so much that can be said on it but i would say that the version of spirituality that i understood at the time my parents had turned to that um when I was very young. So I had always been exposed to a lot of quote unquote spiritual of spirituality, you know, um, for example, you know, we used to have, um, these sort of gurus for lack of better word, who would, uh, come to the Island and, um, 
there would be these gatherings and like Baba G and stuff. I feel you. I feel you. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yes. But many more of those, you know, so I had always been exposed to a lot of these teachings and I would say that that definitely had an influence on where I am today. And even though I don't quite resonate with everything uh, that I was exposed to back then now, um, I see how it was kind of an important, you know, part of my journey um, and how that kind of led me to where I am today, you know, again, from one thing to the other to the other. And then here I am today with a very different perspective, but a more expanded perspective. Um, so, yeah, I would say that in that way, I feel like that has to do with that can be accredited to, you know, to our heritage and yeah, roots. <laughs> I feel it. Those Baba G gatherings were always like, <laughs> you kind of were like, do I have to go? And then you go and you're low-key like, this man low-key spitting some wisdom right now. Like, like you know Demi Lovato, broski? Really? I'm like, that's so interesting. <laughs> I guess he's not out of touch yeah. after all. Uh, yeah, no, those are fun. <laughs> like going to satsang and things like that. I definitely think, yeah, there's sort of that like, initial curiosity or like it plants the seed because like i remember you know yeah very distinctly seeing my aunt even meditate as a kid and kind of just being like okay like that's cool i don't know why you're doing that but cool cool i like now as i meditate i'm like damn she was ahead of my time like i was just being such an ignorant little child and here you know were these seeds being planted in front of me and i was just completely oblivious but it's like i'm so grateful to even have had those experiences because like yeah you have that sort of foundation to be like wait i remember that oh yeah that did oh that was discussed you're right and then it kind of like gives you a place to be like okay well this is familiar so now i can really go deeper and i guess like how did you go about sort of like your unraveling process because you said it was very sort of like from thing to thing but was it like i guess like were there specific modalities that helped you as you were navigating that unraveling so i remember at the time i was going through something um i was in a an online relationship um and i would say up to present date i mean that's literally the only relationship i've been in but that's another subject uh, for another time but i remember really going through it you know in that relationship it was you know for lack of a better word toxic and i remember uh going through this sort of depression and the first thing that I remembered from, you know, a lot of the teachings that we were exposed to was this concept of non-attachment, you know, learning how to detach um, from certain things in life. Um, and so because I found myself so attached to this individual and knowing well and good that it wasn't serving me and it wasn't good for me. Um, I remember really diving deeper into the concept of non-attachment, you know, detachment. And yeah, I would say that's where it kind of 
began for me, and I really looked into it a lot. Um, you know, it's a whole practice, detachment. And then from there, I remember I started following all these, uh, you know, self-help gurus and, and spiritual teachers, as they would call themselves um, at the time. And there were, you know, several whom I resonated with, and it would be like I said, from one teacher to another, to another, and then I would kind of just get what I needed to get from the different teachers and their teachings, and yeah, that's kind of how it it unfolded for me. Mm. Yeah. Non-attachment is funny, because I literally read the Four Noble Truths yesterday, like the sutras, um, and I felt like they were calling me out. I was like, damn, <laughs> they wrote this for me. I'm like everything they're saying, I was like, I was like really going through it in my head yesterday. And I was just like, oh, shots fired. Throw the shade my way. Why don't you? And like, really, I was like, go just going through a lot in my own head. And I was causing myself like so much anguish. And it was interesting because I came on to the part where they were talking about non attachment. And it was like, they were like, so how do you like detach? Like you just let go. And it's just like, you think like, okay, like I don't want to be attached to this. So just stop. But you just can't. Like, it's just like not, it's not something you can think you do. It's like an actual action of like letting go of something. And the analogy that they use, which I thought was like so beautiful. They were like, imagine like you're holding on to a clock and you're like, I want to let go of this. Well, you don't just throw it and like break the clock and be like, I'm not attached to you anymore. Ugh. But really, you just like set it down. Yeah. And yeah. you let the clock do its thing and you just like let Which it be there. Which is easier said than done, right? Exactly. That is a fact. So much easier said than done. And it's like when we're in these states of like where we're causing ourselves suffering, it's like instead of as getting so like grasp beyond the suffering or the stories that come out of that suffering and the narratives that like just start to just whirl all the memories all the anger like you instead of like being like that is me this suffering is mine like i i have all of this you just watch it like you literally just observe the suffering and just say well that is suffering and just let it do its thing and it's like interesting because it was talking about like with these um, objects of the non-self like where, where we get these thoughts and these sensations they have a birth and they die but like when we're so sort of like attached to it we never really let it die like we hold on to the grief or the anger and every time like something triggers that seed you just relive all of that pain whereas like when you're operating from non-attachment you really just like you let it be born you watch it and you let it die and in the process of letting it die you get the actual release of like that letting go and I was like damn and I tried it and I was like wow look at this yeah. look at this the relief Oof. yeah Fantastic. and healing is is such an or it's it's such an organic process you know I mean we can do our part but at the end of the day like life is gonna throw whatever it needs to at you so that you can heal in every moment it's like a new thing it's like oh i thought i was over that jk boo jk <laughs> you were not 
go and cry again. Like, let that shit out. You know, exactly. just let it out. Uh, but it's like, I feel like so opposite of what people think like a spiritual journey is. They're like, yeah. I'm peaceful. You know, mm-hmm. like, I meditate. I'm cool and collected. <laughs> Nothing can phase me. Keep your bad energy Bullshit. over there. You know, when it's like, no, like, if you have to keep the bad energy over there, that, that means you still got problems within you. Yep. <laughs> but people don't want to hear that. They really don't. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, I'm enlightened now. It's like, <laughs> are you though? Are you really? That's a label. Why are we going back into the... Anyways. Anyways. <laughs> no, but it's true. It's true. People are, you know, people are awakened in... Um, in very compartmentalized ways, you know, so, and then everyone's journey is so different. So even having a little bit of compassion for, you know, where they're at, I think is keeping our egos in check, you know, because it's Mm -hmm. like, we're tempted to be like, oh, you think you're like aware and awake and like, you know, (laughs) but it's like, that's, that's another ego trap, you know, so. (laughs) Traps upon traps. It's a trap house in this mind, I swear. Yeah. It's constantly like the ego is trying to like assert some sort of control and you have to be yeah. like, I'm, I see you, boo. Yeah. I see you. <laughs> Don't think you're about to get me trapped again. And then it's like, oh, but that was another trap. Oh, yep. humble once traps. again. <laughs> humbled, humbled, humbled. Exactly. Ah. But I'm curious, like you mentioned, like your perspective has sort of shifted from like where it once were to now. And I guess, could you share some of, like, the insights that you've sort of gained in your journey thus far? Because I agree, like, our life is a continuous healing journey, but um, has there been, like, any key insights that really have sort of just, I guess, like, rocked your world almost and, like, really brought you back into the moment? Yeah, so back then, um, I would say, like, over 10 years ago, um, I was very much subscribed to this idea that, like, you need to have a guru um and you know you need to learn from them and follow their path and like um yeah and they are kind of put on a pedestal and over the years I've strayed away from that and now I feel like I'm at a point where I resonate more with the idea that you are your own guru and that you know no one path that someone lays out for you is the right path you know um so much of it is like tuning into your own soul and you know learning the lessons that you need to learn to expand and grow and following someone else's like guidelines is not always going to go as planned or work out for you you know so I really believe in like being your own guru yeah and you can learn a lot from other people and other you know, other people in, in positions where they've gone through a lot more or, like, you know, they've really worked on themselves to get to where they are, you can absolutely learn from them. But but that doesn't mean that you have to, you know, put them on a pedestal and make them your guru, per se. So I think that's been the biggest transformative um, thing in my journey, in my, my spirituality, you know? Mm. Yeah. 
That's a big one because, like, I think a lot of times we like to have a leader. There's yeah. like that leader complex of like, yeah. teach me. Like, I don't know. I'm helpless. Give me the answers. You know, just give them to yeah. me. And then there's like kind of a like an attachment that forms between you and a guru. Then of like, like I'm looking at you as like this perfect clear sane individual that like has it all figured out and like if you mess up then like that shatters my whole like world of like oh my god my guru is not perfect (laughs) oh my god like what am I doing I'm following this person and they're out there eating ice cream (laughs) like literally like that was like one of the stories in the four noble truth of like when the buddha came back from being enlightened he had like stopped sort of being this because you remember there was that point where the buddha kind of went off and decided to be kind of like homeless as a pursuit of his enlightenment and in his homeless journey he actually like made himself worse because like he was not eating well he was not taking care of his health and so he realized that that was not gonna get him to enlightenment like causing himself all of this unnecessary suffering and all of his followers were like pretty much doing that same thing of like you know letting go of everything not like having any material possessions and then when the buddha like went back to like eating more nutritious food it was like milk rice which they assumed like was like equivalent to ice cream back Uh in the day they were like oh look at him he's not he's not serious anymore he he's eating the good stuff you know like he's (laughs) he's lost his way and then he came back and was like hey guys i'm i'm enlightened now and they were like no way no no mm -mm, that's not right (laughs) and then he explained to them the four noble truths and like only one of them was like oh shit and the rest were kind of like that's nice that's nice but it's like again when we put our guru on a pedestal then we don't even see like the humanity in them and like they too are sort of going through an unfolding process and it's like not just that they know everything and like we expect them to give us the answer which I feel like I don't know if it's because like how we're when we go through school like you have a teacher and there's a student and there's that sort of power dynamic of like you have the knowledge and you have to disseminate that to me and even in religion it's kind of the same way of like you have your leader they have books and you read what they tell you and that is like the word um, but when you flip it and you become your own guru, it's a very different thing of like, your path is your path. Like each of us has our own karmic baggage. There's a reason why exactly. like not, no two of us are really the same. Even exactly. twins, like they have their own karmic baggage and they're going to have different lives. Right. Um, but we, I don't know. It's like this obsession with like perfection almost of like everything has to be perfect, including my guru. And this journey has to be perfect. And by the time I'm like 30, I need to be an art heart because that's what bad bitches do. And if I'm not, then like I'm a failure and my guru is a failure because they didn't get me there in my 10 week retreat. And I paid them a lot of money to get me there. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think perfection is a part of it. And so is outsourcing your power, you know, like we, I think we're conditioned to outsource our power. And it's just so much more empowering to, to, you know, to learn that, like, I get to control, you know, how I'm going to feel, you know, and I get to control what information I want to take in and leave out 
so yeah, it's, it's about stepping into that that place of empowerment again. But it can be yeah. so scary, I feel like, for people to really embrace their power because it's like, oh shit, like now it's all on me. Yeah, I can't run away. True. Like I can't point and say, well, it's their fault because it's like all on you. But it's like, boo, it was always on you. Right. Like, you just tricked yourself again. <laughs> <sighs> the struggle yeah. is real. It, it really is. <laughs> it's, it's a tough one, but honestly, like I feel like I could imagine my life not being this spiritual journey. It's like I don't know. Like I don't, there's for me like nothing that's as interesting as coming home to yourself and like really like going through the unraveling and like just like having all of that love and compassion for all the parts of you that just need that. Yeah. But how did you go about being really conscious in like how you live now and like really being intentional with the foods that you eat? Like, were you always vegan from like, from early childhood or did you sort of transition from vegetarian to vegan? Or are you even vegan? Like, I might just be assuming, too, you know? Like, I don't know. (laughs) No, I love your questions. Um, I would say for many years I identified as vegan. And now I identify as plant-based. I'll get into why, but I wasn't always plant-based. No, I was mostly vegetarian, I think, up until the age of, like, 23, I want to say. Yes, around then. Um, That's when I officially trans... um, (laughs) transitioned to a plant-based diet um but basically I remember from a very young age I think I was like eight years old and I remember saying to my parents like I want to be vegetarian and before that um it's not like I was eating crazy amounts of meat obviously I was mostly consuming like white meats you know fish and and chicken my mom has always been vegetarian her entire life, so I think that definitely influenced it, but also was kind of like this gut feeling that, you know, I knew this was right for me personally. So from that age, I was vegetarian, and then in between, I think I went through like a phase of wanting to like experiment a little bit more. I think that lasted a couple months, and then I was back to vegetarian. Um, so at the age of 23, at that point, I had already been following a bunch of channels online you know on youtube and facebook at the time and you know just getting into instagram and all these you know health gurus and and people who were not just plant-based but really into health foods and so at that point i think it had been like three years that i was toying around with the idea of turning from vegetarian to plant-based and then at one point i was just so ready for it and i think also because i i didn't go cold turkey and i really let myself you know cave into the cravings that i had and it just it was such an organic process honestly when i turned plant-based it was like this is really because i want to do it and i'm fully in and not like there's this part of me that doesn't want it but it's like forcing myself to you know um yeah consume only plant-based train of like i'm being in (laughs) i care about the earth but it's like no like you your body was like it's time it's time exactly yeah and i really feel up to up to present date that like for my body it 
I thrive on this diet. You know, I thrive on a plant-based diet. I can't speak for everyone. I can't say that, you know, I, I will never deny that someone else's, you know, bodily needs will be very different than mine, you know? So I will never say like, yeah, you're wrong for consuming this or that, you know, and you need to consume this. I think it's, it's so personal and so many factors have to be considered. So many factors. Feel it. I can't believe you gave a paneer. I'm like, bro, <laughs> that's that might be the hill I die on right there. <laughs> paneer is just too freaking good. Uh, that was actually one of the last few foods that I gave up, like cheese in general. I think cheese was like the hardest for me, and I loved my paneer as well. So I totally feel you. <laughs> just like it's so good, so good. I guess like how like. What, how do you look at the difference between then vegan and plant-based? Like, what is that sort of differentiator for you between the two? So, a vegan would be like, it's really a lifestyle and you're all about it. So, that would mean no animal products at all, down to what you wear um, and every single thing that you buy. And while I also still pretty much apply that, you know, I don't really buy animal products for the most part I think for me the biggest thing is um an identity thing you know because mm. with vegans I I don't know there's unfortunately you know I don't wish this were true but there's a negative connotation with you know the word vegan and um I really can't say that I fully resonate either with that because a lot of vegans you know they mean so well, but it's like their their mission is everyone needs to be vegan and that's that. If you're not vegan, like you're doing something wrong and it's 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 an abomination, you know? Whereas I have started to stray away from that a little bit because I am coming to realize that, you know, it's not per se ideal for everybody and everyone's bodies to consume a plant-based diet, you know? and to be vegan um so yeah i think once i strayed away from that you know belief system i started to realize like wow there's so many factors that go into it you know the biggest one being like what did your ancestors eat you know what did your parents and their parents and their parents and their parents eat you know um and um it's so much of it is about just tuning into your body and and one thing might be good for you while another thing might not be, one thing might be good for you on one day, but not good on another day, you know, learning where did this, this product come from, like, what is the source, you know, and who handled it on the way until it got to your hands, you know, so there's just so much to consider, and, you know, not all meats are created equally either, so, you know, I'm not gonna throw it all out the window and say everything is bad, I think, yeah, it's very different. One might be good, yeah. another might not be. I feel it. I definitely loved your perspective on this because I felt like there was a time where I went on that jump, you know, that bandwagon of like, I'm not going to eat meat anymore because like I was really, you know, trying to like, I love animals, mm -hmm. you know, I love, I love the planet. And I was like, okay, like, I don't want to be inflicting unnecessary harm in the world. So I was like, okay, we're just gonna give up meat. Mind you, I 
ate my whole life, like eating meat, like my mom's mom, like they're all meat eaters, you know. Um, whereas my dad's family, it was very much similar in the fact that like he grew up vegetarian, like my grandmother and like that whole household is 100% vegetarian. My dad was a sort of a rebel and kind of jumped ship and was like, I'm going to taste the meat life, you know, <laughs> he's been committing carnage ever since. Um <laughs> But for me, I was like, you know, I really wanted to come back to just like being like, I don't know, like kind, you know, and not having to take on unnecessary karma of like having to kill other animals. And I realized I don't think I did it the right way. But I also think like when you're talking about like everybody is different. I don't think I was listening to the needs of my body at all. And in fact, like this was like kind of a bad phase for me because then I started cutting out all of these things that my body like so desperately needed like iron and like all of these things and like I was just pushing through like yeah I'm good everything's fine everything's great but like I was like slowly depleting my energy and I was just like getting to a point where like I was just like very lethargic I just didn't have energy to do much like I was just never in like great moods you know like my appetite wasn't really there as much anymore um, and I would have to rely on other things to sort of stimulate my appetite so I wow. could go and eat because otherwise, like, I was just, like, kind of moving through the day, not really caring. Um, but I was being kind to the planet and everything was great, you know. Um, and so then I, like, got, like, my blood work done because I was like, hey, like, you know, something is just not right. You know, like, I'm trying to, like, not eat meat and stuff. And my doctor was like, whoa, like, first of all for you boo we're gonna have to we're gonna have to crush that dream right now wow. because they were like for you like they're like you're literally anemic right now like because you haven't been eating meat for like a couple years and like your body like really needs that like especially i think because as women like we menstruate and all of that like we have a greater need for like iron and i was not eating like all like tofu and all of that I was not a fan so I was just like not I was picky a picky vegan let's put it that way it was not helpful um and it made me realize of like like damn like I was really just not taking care of myself and not prioritizing what my body needed even though that wasn't what other people were saying was like good or whatever um And I recognized, like, in my healing of, like, actually working and taking all the supplements that I needed to just get back to where I was before, like, I'm like, damn, like, I just can't even believe I felt like that and thought that that was, like, okay and, like, thriving. And I'm like, the person that, like, how I feel now that, like, now my blood work and everything is, like, back in the normal range that it's supposed to, I'm like, damn, like, I was really just grinding like forcefully pushing myself when like I was not necessarily having all of the tools to give my body what it needed to cultivate the energy to go out and do all of the things that I wanted to do but I wonder like how much of our society really is pushing this narrative even on women of like oh you have to be vegan and like if you eat meat you're a terrible person and it's like no like some of us actually really need to eat meat and like even my acupuncturist, she'd be like, babe, you need consume that beef, oh, wow. yo, consume it. And I'm just like, but I'm a Hindu, though. <laughs> like, cows are sacred. And she's like, yeah, but like for you, like you really need to eat meat. And I was like, wow. oh, oh, but it's like, again, like having to have 
love for yourself that you do these things knowing that like okay this is a price that I'm gonna pay but if I'm going to go in this purpose and have to consume meat make sure that I do it with intention and I'm not just out here wastefully consuming meat and throwing it away and not really caring about the life that had to be taken for me to even have that piece of meat and it's weird because it's like completely changed my view on even like hunting culture, like people that go out and forage for their meat sustainably versus like the commercial meat industry where it's just like kill, 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 eat, 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 throw it away. We don't care. Um, And just like really thinking about the identities that we form around our eating habits and sort of like the tribes that we then say that we want to be a part of. And it's like at the end of the day, are you being intentional? Like, or is this really in line with what you need? Exactly. Or are you just like listening to the stories again of like what other people are saying and letting that sort of cloud your vision? So I really, really appreciate your perspective of like everybody's needs are different because we're all different people. Our bodies are all different. We each have our own sort of like, yeah, karmic magic that Correct. we have to deal with. And we shouldn't be shaming each other exactly. for things without really having understanding of what that means and like why. Exactly. Why? Absolutely. But when it comes to sourcing like on the island, how do you go about finding even like organic foods locally? Like are you going to like the Rastafarian farm or like any of the other local farmers or either like are you able to find um like locally sourced produce or even like organic things that are in the grocery stores on the island yeah honestly it's it's a struggle here (laughs) um yeah I I swear to god the other day I I pulled out my notes because I wanted to start writing down all the grocery stores that I have to visit to find any particular item like I made a list with like for example cams or like carefor or monoprix or super you and everything that I would get in these stores, you know, because I really have to run around the entire island to get the best item at the best price and quality, you know, it's, it's ridiculous, but I think I've kind of just accepted that this comes with this life style and being on this island. Uh, so yeah, honestly, St. Martin is amazing because almost everything is available. This island has a lot you know, it all depends on how much are you willing to pay and how far are you willing to go. <laughs> far, you know, quote unquote far. Because <laughs> how far is... 37 square mile <laughs> round trip, you yeah, know, but... but traffic. Relative, relative. <laughs> FX traffic yeah, too. Exactly. We cannot forget the traffic. Exactly. So yeah, everything is available. Honestly, I can't complain. I, I do find a lot of things here that I need. Um, a lot of the dry goods, for example, organic is possible. Um... And depending on where you go, reasonably priced. And in terms of like the fresh produce, that can get a little bit more difficult. Um, You know, I recently started getting some produce from this farm called Arrowroot Farm. Um, They're amazing. You know, it's it's these two guys and they're really uh, working hard to, to bring a lot more locally grown produce to the island. And besides that, um, every now and then they have like this farmer's market, I think once in two weeks, um, it's held at Puerto Plaisance PDP. And I try to make it out to those as well. Um, and, and you see, there are people who are doing this, you know, 
Um, and besides that, I, I there are a few grocery stores. Like I, I mean, I can list them. Like Monoprix has a few things. Super U, I find their the quality of their produce a lot better. Um, and where else? Carrefour, Sunny Foods, Fairway. Market Garden, Kubikwai Market, Cam's, Costulas. I really have to be going all around the island. <laughs> You'd be on a scavenger hunt oh for God, literally. the best of the best. <laughs> That's awesome, though. I mean, yeah. you know, it gives you really a sense of appreciation for stuff. But do you grow yeah. anything yourself as well? Like, are you, are you cultivating at, like, at home or Honestly, unless you rely on like the farms? Ideal version of Raul is growing so many things and has a garden full of stuff and basically is not dependent on the grocery stores at all. <laughs> but current version of me has given um, gardening a shot and, and I don't know why, it's just, it's not, it hasn't been working out for me. I mean, I haven't committed to it <laughs> as much as I would like to, so I haven't given up on it and I'm not going to say it's not for me, but um, yeah, the, I've tried so many times. I can't tell you how many times I have I have so I have a seed bank at home. I have so many seeds. I I go out and I just buy all these seeds. And I have had you know times where I've just decided, okay, I'm going to commit an hour and I'm going to plant all these seeds, label them, do all the work, and then I think after like a week or two, you know, I I start to to see them sprout and grow, and I'm like motivated. And then a month later, I'm like, okay, well, you know, the the leaves are wilting and there's there's pests on this one and like that's when I kind of get demotivated and I'm like wow this is really a commitment and an investment of time and energy and I I just haven't given it as much as I would like to <laughs> but one day I'm telling you the pests <laughs> are my biggest like I didn't even realize how big of a problem pests were they like yeah like literally last summer I started a little garden on my patio yeah. I was like I was like we're gonna cultivate <laughs> we're not gonna wait okay we have space we can do this we can do it now and then i realized i'm like wait a minute what is this i'm like wait who are y'all i'm like first of all how did you even find my plants i'm like where did you come from i'm like i'm not even on the bottom floor how did you get up here to attack my plants i'm like what oh my god i'm like is this what farmers go through and then i realized yes but you, as a consumer, you don't see this stuff. And let's oh. not even get started with the iguanas on this island. I swear to God, if you do not have a dog, <laughs> you're screwed. <laughs> so that's been the another... Igu- I didn't even think yeah, of that. I figured you'd have character. a monkey theft problem. Well, that because too. that used to be my grandma's <laughs> biggest pet peeve. She'd be like, these blasted monkeys keep stealing my fruit. That too. That too. Yep. Oh, the iguanas. I didn't even think about oh them. Oh my god, they're horrible. Because they don't have a natural predator here, so. That's a fact. Mm-hmm. They're just out here procreating mm-hmm. like the monkeys. Mm-hmm. Oh lord. What are we to do? Nature, nature. Nature, nature. But there are solutions. I really believe there are solutions, you know? I mean, ideally, we'd have like a, a little greenhouse in the backyard. Like, that's a goal. That's definitely a goal. I feel it. So how do you go about, like, the culinary art of, like, making all of the incredible creations 
that you make because they look so delicious. And I feel like oftentimes plant-based food gets such a bad rap of like, you made cheese from almonds or cashews. <laughs> like that can't taste as good, you know, or like, why are you foes? You know, I don't know. There's a lot of judgment. I feel like for meat eaters and anything plant-based, but yeah, I'm curious, like how do you make it in such a way where it's like, delicious you know it's like incredible and nourishing you know it's like everything is beautiful yeah in one i mean you know again i i've been exposed to a lot of different people in this game in the plant-based food world for so many years i have worked in a fully plant-based kitchen for several years side by side with several chefs I have taken courses on it and you know a lot of it is just trial and error also like at home you know following different recipes through bloggers and whatnot and yeah you kind of just learn you come to understand plant-based flavors a lot better and how to season things properly and what foods go together and you know, also, so much of it is, like, intuition and feel and, and like, yeah, bringing all of that together, I would say that would be how I go about creating what I create. It's a little legit alchemy, yeah. food alchemy. science. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> I guess, like, was there one creation that really surprised you as you were going through sort of that experimentation process of figuring out what works and what doesn't that you were kind of just like oh my gosh like this is incredible <laughs> well I mean for me the biggest thing was like that I missed after I turned uh plant-based was I I missed that umami from cheese you know it wasn't even the cheese itself that I was missing it's just that that flavor profile so I think learning to recreate that with, you know, the different different uh, food items that we have uh, and being able to mimic it so well to the point where, like, it would satisfy my craving, I think that would be, like, one of the biggest ones. And for a lot of people, you know, like uh, the umami flavor profile, the cheesy, yeah, sort of depth of flavor. Yeah. And I'm assuming this is not, like, through nutritional yeast, which is, like, I feel like what a lot of people <laughs> use to get sort of that, you well, know. nutritional yeast <laughs> that is flavor. a part of it, for sure. I mean, you know, it's not the only thing, but it's a part of it. Um, and then, like, just some some foods work very well, too, you know, in the end. Like, that you can, I guess, alchemize to get that flavor profile. Like, And cashews happen to be one of those ingredients, so... You know, it's it's the perfect fat that's kind of neutral in taste. You know, it has its own flavor profile, but it's it's definitely more neutral than a lot of other nuts. And there's so much that you can do with it. You know, I would say cashews are one of my favorite ingredients. And if you know what to do with cashews, you can make a lot. And so, yeah, the combination of, like, nutritional yeast and cashews. And then, you know, when you get into fermentation... Um, that opens up the door for so for so much more flavor. And so, you know, I, I've been experimenting with a lot more fermented foods. And, yeah, I would say that has definitely played a huge role in, in getting the, the flavor profile that I'm looking for. Yeah. 
Because I was going to ask you about, like, the kombuchas yeah. <laughs> you'd be making, too, you know? Because I'm like, the whole, like, I feel like mushrooms and fungi yeah. and all that mycelium is, like, its own category of, like, food creation preservation. Like, really making the most out of the foods that you have. And kombucha is so good. But I'm like, every time I see how they make them, like, I'm so scared. <laughs> I might be killing myself right here. Like, and I'm curious, like, how you sort of went into that process of, like, because fermentation is literally its own oh, science yeah. and you have to really understand like temperature and like sugars and like all of these different yeah. things to really ensure that it's a suitable, hospitable yeah. environment, clean environment. Yeah. So you get something beautiful in yeah. the end. Um, yeah. Again, it's, it, it was just a lot of experimentation, but I also did take a course actually, now that you mentioned, I had taken a, plant-based cheese and fermentation course in Barcelona around 2018. Um, yeah, it was a one week long program and they really dove deep into so many different, you know, fermented foods and kombucha was one of them. Um, but yeah, that's kind of how I, that kick-started my journey into more fermented foods. Yeah. Cool. I could totally see Seymour now having its own, like, Bush tea kombucha <laughs> brand. Oh, I have not coconut water kombucha. With that one, that's a nice flavor. Hibiscus, like a hibiscus kombucha. Yes. Sorrel you know? kombucha. Like... Yes. Yes. Ooh, ooh, that's a good one. Oh, that 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 hit a nerve. Oh, that sounds fire. Oh, have you made that? You've made a yeah, sorrel kombucha. Yeah, I have. Yes, I have. Yeah. <sighs> I need I need a bottle. I, I well, next time you're here. A bottle of that. Okay, I'll make note. I'll make note. Um, but I'm curious too. So then, stepping out of like food, how has sort of like your yoga practice also I guess sort of helped in this whole like conscious living um, lifestyle that you adopt? Because I agree. Like I feel like in any spiritual practice, it really is a practice that we go through every day, and that's why I love yoga for that reason of like it really grounds you in the present and like forces you to embrace stress at the same time um but yeah like how has that sort of helped you in your conscious living um path Hmm. well I mean honestly any form of movement I feel like you know will definitely help with you know moving energy through your body stuck energy um and Specifically, yoga, I feel, does such a good job at that. Um, And, you know, we're saying yoga, but, like, specifically the physical practice of yoga, because there's so much more to yoga than just the asana, you know, the movement. Um, Yeah, I would say that I had gravitated towards yoga from a very young age, so it's always something that I was into. Um, But it wasn't until, I think, when I was, yeah, I... I was living in the Netherlands, uh, but I think this was like 2015 at the time that I really got into it and, you know, made it like a, a foundational practice in my life. And then, you know, I went through phases where I, I, I would practice and then, you know, stop practicing and then practice and then start practicing again. And then I took a teacher training as well. And that was mainly just to dive deeper into my own practice and my own journey with yoga. And yeah, at that point I had learned so much more about yoga than just what I thought I knew. 
and from there on it's it's yeah it's been like something that definitely has grounded me a lot and and just also seeing how my progress and my practice has changed over the years you know and and reflecting on it has definitely been very beautiful to witness but yoga is definitely here to stay like it's it's in for the long haul in my journey <laughs> i feel that i can't imagine life without it yeah. i'm just like who was i who am i yeah. without yoga <laughs> i don't know that person like i don't know her like i'm just like it's so it's just so good yeah. on so many levels that I'm like, if I know somebody that loves yoga, I'm like, <laughs> we can be friends. We can totally be friends. I don't need to know anything else about you, but if you love yoga, like, I'm like, we we can totally, we're on the same wavelength right. already, you know. Um, I guess, like, have you tried different practices of yoga or is it like, like hot yoga as well as like cooler yogas or? So, um, I've practiced many different styles of yoga, not consistently, but many. Um, I think the biggest ones would be like vinyasa and yin. Those are like the top two for me. Um, and also my teacher training was in vinyasa and yin. And that's actually why I chose that teacher training because it had both. Um, so yeah, yin would be like the cooler, you know, um, more passive, um, going into deeper um, parts of the body you know, you know, past the muscle, like the different ligaments and tissues. And then, of course, the vinyasa, which is definitely way more active and power-based, uh, more warming. Uh, so, yeah, I would say these are the top two styles for me, but I've definitely tried many other. I've tried hatha, I've tried ashtanga. Um, I anchor a little bit here and there. Um, and hot yoga and, yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's so many more. Right? Yeah, because you do some of the acro yoga. Right, and then there's acro yoga. That's a whole other world of yoga. <laughs> so I yeah. do that once in a while. I definitely try to join Nelly whenever I can. I love acro yoga. I'm a huge fan of it. Yeah, I feel like, I don't know, like, I love practices that bring people together. Yes. I feel like, especially in the age of, like, technology, people, we're, like, so much more isolated in, like, when you're, I feel like in these larger countries compared to, like, on the island, everybody's in everybody's business. Um, but, like, yeah, I love practices that really, like, bring about a community because, like, I don't know, there's something beautiful about when people are together and they're sharing in each other's energy I feel like we need that. Like, we're social creatures for that reason. Yes. Um, and, yeah, it's beautiful to see, like, people heal, Definitely. you know, through these practices and, like, gain, like you were saying, step into their power and own yes. their power and be witness to their own power and, like, pushing themselves past their own, like, limiting beliefs of, like, oh, I can't do that pose. But then, bam, with a little support, you right there. It wasn't too bad, you know? It's beautiful to witness yeah absolutely and acro yoga is definitely a very intimate intimate practice because i really feel like it requires you to trust the person that you're working with you know that is so true you're not trying to fall yeah. on your head <laughs> or like, like being these like random like you're flying and then it's like oh legs were not positioned correctly we're gonna have to do yeah. that again but i feel like it's also cool because it shows you like the 
like you would think like people that are bigger and like people that are smaller can't do like acro together but it's like crazy when you see like how the bodies are able to sort of balance themselves and like all of this sort of like unity that you have with like two bodies working together like i don't know i find it so like i like how you said intimate but it's like also so like just like powerful and just like understanding how to play with the self yes Just fun stuff. But I'm curious, like, I guess for people that might be trying to be more, you know, conscious in the way that they live, more present, um, less in their mind, more maybe in their heart space, really more in tune with their body. uh, Do you have any sort of like tips for them on like, you know, things that they can maybe consider or just advice that you wish maybe you had? Just help facilitate like their their journey mm, yeah um i mean there's so many things that you can do but i think i'm a huge fan of movement i'm a huge fan of it and you know it wasn't until like <clears throat> since i moved back to the island end of 2020 that movement became such a huge part of my life so i'm not going to say that it was always like this and i really feel like movement helps again like i said earlier it helps to get energy that has been stuck for longer periods of time to really get flowing and moving and and i think if people want to tap more into their feelings they have to do it through the body you know so that's going to require movement um and not all movement is created equally but like for example um like the practice of yin yoga you know where you're moving but you're still very much forced to to tap into your feelings and be present with them because you have to stay in a posture for a very long time um that could definitely be something that could help um another tip that i would say is like literally just turn off your phone set a timer for like 10 to 15 minutes where you just you're with yourself and your thoughts and your feelings and just start to write you know write down what you're feeling and ask yourself questions you know like do a little check-in like what am I feeling today what am I feeling in this moment is there something that's stuck is there something that needs to come out is there something I have to express um I would say that would really help also to tap into um feelings and the heart center as well yeah those are I guess two that come to mind right now well thank you so much for sharing your energy with us today like I really appreciate just getting your perspective on these things and like hopefully inspiring folks to maybe think differently about how they go about their life or how they form their identities about things um, and hopefully just getting people more awakened to being present with themselves and to love themselves for who they are in the moment. Yes, yes, yes. yes, thank you so much for having me.